0: What's the title of today's podcast, Tara? What are we talking about?
1: We're talking about all things meatballs. And by meatballs, we mean meatballs with meat and meatless meatballs.
0: This is a really good topic. And by the way, Tara, do you feel that it's so much easier to do number two? Because we film, we're film? we filming two in one day Excuse now. Excuse
1: me? <laughs> you might want to rephrase that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you feel... That filming our second episode, because we filmed two two in a day, is much, much easier and laid back than the first one.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've already got, like, a good flow going, you know?
0: Yeah. Your voice yeah. is warmed up. For sure. I mean, I for gotta sure. warm up my voice again. Tara's voice, guys, is so much better than mine. She has, like, the most awesome-sounding, like, just great voice for for, for a podcast.
1: I've never liked my voice, ever. So to hear somebody say that or to hear our listeners say that I'm a little shocked and flattered. So I was reading some viewer comments and there was a comment on the first
0: podcast episode and they were saying that like my I think tone improved towards the end. Maybe like they thought I was a little stiff in the beginning and not as vocally warmed up until the end, which I, I actually can get behind. They're probably right. It's all, it's very hard to like be, to just go right when something clips on. Like I watched Tim Dillon, like, you know how I love his podcast. He's hysterical, fellow Long Islander. Um, and a lot of people, you think I sound similar to him, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Your just your tone and yeah, he's Even, a little younger than us. I yeah. think
0: he's like he's in his late thirties. Right when he starts his podcast, he's like, like he's. I love it when he puts the shades on. By the way, guys, you know why he? Does anybody know why he uh, wears the shades? I'll give you ten seconds to come up with an answer. And maybe let's see if Tara can answer it. Why does he have shades on?
1: I have no idea. He doesn't want people to see his eyes when he's no. He's got a screen something? in
0: back. He's got a screen in back and a camera that's doing all the things they're going to talk about.
1: Okay. So like his talking points. Yeah. And if he has to read
0: a script, he doesn't want, you don't want to, those are like the glass shades that, Mm -hmm. so you can't see his eyes.
1: Okay.
0: Or he's just like wearing shades for some reason, but I think that's probably what it is. Anyway, enough about him. Uh, There are other podcasts I listen to as well. I think I said Lex Freeman in the last one. I like uh, the PBD podcast, Patrick, bet David, um, but I, but I listen to a lot of them. I like to like listen to random podcasts, which I hope maybe you're listening to a random podcast today and you just found the Sip and Feast podcast. By this point, this is number four. Apple will probably have us on the top of the charts. We'll probably be like <laughs> right up there with uh, the Joe Rogan experience.
1: Yeah, sure. Just keep putting that out there to the universe and maybe that'll happen. Hey,
0: whatever you do put out to the universe becomes reality.
1: Yeah, I'm not kidding I about it. that.
0: I'm, I'm. It's they wrote a book about this when when Tara and I were relatively young, out of, shortly after college. It was a book called The Secret, mm-hmm. and there were two schools of people: one who thought The Secret was the most amazing gift they ever heard in their life, and other people who thought it was a bunch of BS. So. I was very indifferent towards The Secret when that came out. How were you at that point with with that book?
1: I was indifferent to it, but you know, later, probably like fast forward 10 years or so, um a friend of mine got me interested in listening to Earl Nightingale's The Strangest Secret, which I don't know if the secret is kind of piggybacking off of Earl Nightingale's audio recording of The Strangest Secret, but basically what he talks about is we become what we think about. So I I think the two were somewhat I think they all, related. I think right? they all piggyback. The one I always
0: yeah. remember was um, As a Man Thinketh, by, yeah. um, I forget the author's name, it's a little book, tiny yeah, little book. Yeah, you have it. I we, love we it. Have I it. it, I keep it by my bedside table. Yeah. I used to use all those motivational books for trading. For mm-hmm. my, my former career, I talked about this in the first episode, but this is episode four. In case you're wondering, I traded stocks for 14 years, maybe a little bit longer than that, and it was just a like my life was just overrun by by the financial markets. I traded stocks and futures. Uh, I, I was like a I was like a encyclopedia. I could I knew every single symbol. I knew the support and resistance of each one. I knew which market makers. This is when market makers were important. I knew every single thing about these about these stocks, and. I always struggled with my discipline, my, you always want to cut your losers quickly and let your winners run when you trade. This is a principle that still works to this day, but I was always, my, my discipline was always off. So I would always have that book as a man thinketh next to me. Mm -hmm. It was like my motivation. Now I read that book along with probably another hundred motivational books back then. So I was kind of an expert on motivational books before motivational like YouTubers even existed. Now these motivational YouTubers are everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and I don't even really consume that type of content anymore because it's a part of me. Mm-hmm. I don't need it anymore. All right, so that's a tangent. We always start with a tangent, by the way.
1: Story of our life.
0: What are we talking about again today? Bring me back to center. <laughs> Bring me back to
1: true north, Tara. We're going to talk about meatballs because they're pretty – I would say spaghetti and meatballs specifically is kind of the iconic Italian-American dish. I think a lot of times when you picture an Italian restaurant in the U.S., you think of like white and red checkered tablecloth top, maybe a cheap bottle of Chianti, and a big old bowl of spaghetti and meatballs. So not going to talk about the spaghetti. Let's talk about the meatballs. There's a lot to talk about. I think the first question, or the burning question... What is the best way to make meatballs? Okay. Cuz there's a variety yes. of different ways you can you so, can do
0: it. So I'm going to I'm going to answer the question immediately, but then we'll we'll obviously we can spend I could spend 24 hours. I could do a 24-hour podcast marathon talking about meatballs. There is no perfect way to make a meatball. Like there's no mystical meatball and then all other meatballs fall by the wayside to that meatball there's it depends what type of meatball mood you're in
1: (laughs) i'm just laughing because the meatball mood i don't know it just made me chuckle that's my face all right yeah you're good
0: all right i always ask tara how my face is because uh you know it's for the video viewers need to look perfect for you guys so um Tara laughs at my jokes,
1: <laughs> which I really appreciate. I sometimes laugh to just keep from crying. Yeah, just it's like a
0: cringy <laughs> laugh. Like she's like, "Oh God, how much longer? How much <laughs> longer?" Um. So anyway, yeah, let's let's bring it back to the meatballs. There is no perfect meatball, but I have ideas of what will make a meatball better. And. There's ways to go about it. There's certain techniques that are really important. These are very much taken for granted by people that have been making meatballs forever. And then when somebody who's a novice, maybe you're a new cook, maybe maybe you're a long time cook, but maybe you're not like, you don't do too many meatballs. These things might be a little, uh, uh, what's the right word? Maybe a revelation to you. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna ask Tara if she knows some of those secrets. What, do you know any of the ones I'm talking about? Secrets to making meatballs? Like to make a better meatball.
1: I would say maybe it comes down to not over kneading the meat mixture. Over mixing it, yeah. Over mixing, because then they can become tough. I think the way in which you prepare them before you add them to the sauce makes a difference. If it's baked, first fried. Let's talk, let's forget about the the cooking then. Let's talk about the actual,
0: just what's in them.
1: So when you're asking me about tricks that i would know of okay so all right let's go back to that so maybe the moisture
0: yeah level definitely
1: so like adding like a grated onion grated
0: onion works but what else is really important moisture wise milk milk definitely
1: anything else so those are really important did i pass your quiz
0: yeah no you basically if you know those two things like you're you're pretty much on the right track then there's some other tricks like you you know we put um we put regatta in in the
1: those most recent good. batch we did. Yeah,
0: those are nice. It's the bread you use. Uh, how much bread you use? Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you use too much bread, but you got to play with it because you might be trying to make a lot, extend meatballs for a family. And so, if you start with a certain amount of meat, and you know the recipe might say like only use one cup of breadcrumbs per three cups of meat. You might be like, oh, well, if I just do two cups of breadcrumbs, I can get so much more for my family. So maybe you do that. Maybe mm-hmm. you make that executive decision. You, you go for that. There's nothing wrong with that. Like you can you can 100% do it. If you don't have enough money, you can just do a bread meatball, which we got a recipe on just, that's just pulpet, pulpette de panna. That's, that's it. Right. That's, that's right. It's a bread meatball. So what you can do there is when you, say you're making chicken cutlets and you have the leftover egg and, you know, breadcrumbs, you could uh, turn them into little meatballs. You could add a little bit more cheese in there, or you can just do a full recipe of the bread meatballs, mm-hmm. which which I love. We, whenever we put them up, like we share them on Facebook or whatnot, people are like, where's the meat? And we're yeah, like- we're They're like, like,
1: I don't see any meat yeah, they're, like, they're like, I think you messed
0: up the recipe. There's no meat. I'm like, no, that is the recipe. That is the
1: recipe, yeah. Yeah. It's cucina povera, which means like poor man's food. Yeah. So it's a poor man's meatball
0: which was probably very common in Italy but less common in America mm-hmm. because when the poor Italians moved to America they had plentiful amount of meat
1: that's right so
0: it was kind of like not as not as important i guess to make that make those breadless meatballs anymore but we put them on there uh out of uh, almost out of tradition when we put it up a few times they they do really well yeah, people they are like did, oh i remember
1: this you know they did really well during lent specifically yeah when, people who observe are not eating meat on Fridays.
0: So yeah, though, we're talking about the how Moy, how to get a meatball better and, and Tara really did hit it. A grated onion works well, but one thing that she didn't talk about, which is important is the actual meat and the fat content of the meat you're using. So you can do everything right, but if you start with like 95% lean meat, mm-hmm. you're not gonna get the same results as if you use 80-20. You could even buy like 75-25, so just have a very large portion of fat in there. And then pork too, the pork you use, it could be a leaner pork, it could be a more fatty pork. These will all affect your final outcome. Uh, You you know, you could even go, if you want to get really fancy, you could do a short rib meatball. So now the short ribs have a ton of fat inside of them, so you're going to get like a really glorious, fattening, delicious meatball. And then you're getting into like very high-end, almost high-end dining territory where a restaurant will charge you forty dollars for that mm-hmm. or fifty. You're getting a short rib meatball.
1: Since you already started to talk about it, this is a question that I that I was going to ask. Uh, and actually one of our listeners sent it in. They're they're curious about the blend of meat. Is it better to just stick with one type of like should you just use all beef or should you just use all pork? Or should you do a blend?
0: So I'm a sucker for you know, definitely a beef and pork meatball. I don't really use veal anymore. Tara doesn't eat veal. So we've like kind of made it a thing in the family where we don't use meat, uh, where we don't, excuse me, where we don't use veal anymore. So with certain exceptions, like I did do asabuco recently, that's Mm -hmm. on the site. Yeah. And we used, I obviously used the veal shanks for that. And you know, I got to get a couple more veal recipes on the site, probably veal and peppers. trying to think of some traditional ones. A lot of veal dishes though, you could just do chicken with. So that's that's what I normally have pushed on the site. So as far as like, obviously old school places will still sell their meatball mix. And that meatball mix will consist of one third beef, one third pork, one third veal. The beef will typically be probably 90-10, more so than 80-20. I, my favorite way to go about it is just to get 80-20 beef, mm-hmm. 80-20 chuck, and then get a nice looking pork. Not not too lean. Mm-hmm. You start with that. You go from there. You're going to get a good meatball, unless you have really unless you do something really bad to it.
1: So your your recommendation
0: is to do a blend. Definitely, unless you mm. can't. You know, a lot. Of, some people can't have pork, so you just don't eat the pork. Right. So you do a beef meatball. You know, some people might want to just do a pork meatball. What are your thoughts on
1: turkey turkey meatballs?
0: So we have a turkey meatball on our site, mm-hmm. and actually we have a, we have a few. We we did um turkey meatballs for the wedding soup. Mm-hmm. And then we have a big, bigger turkey meatballs. And the way that we made these turkey meatballs better was to add a lot of moisture into them. Before I go even into that, you can also use better turkey. So turkey will be sold either uh, all the white meat Mm -hmm. and then it'll be a mix with the dark meat. And you really wanna buy the dark meat one, like the mixture, because that'll have more fat in it.
1: Right, and more flavor.
0: More flavor Mm -hmm. too. But we put grated onion in that one along with the milk. And you're just trying to bring up the moisture content. You know, when you're dealing with that and you're really trying to put a lot of moisture in it, then they get a little harder to roll. They yeah. don't hold their shape as well.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true.
0: Yeah. But I think those, are, those aren't bad. I mean, the kids like them, but they don't they don't like them as much as they like a regular, you know, beef and pork meatball.
1: I think they're really good in the Italian wedding soup because you kind of have like a chicken. Use, do you use chicken stock for that one? Yeah. I think um, so you've already kind of got like that poultry flavor. So I think the turkey meatballs in that recipe in particular is a nice compliment.
0: It's funny, like it's great when you have it by itself, but once you compare it to the to the real one, this is the thing with everything. It's like you you, you get you order a bowl of gluten-free pasta in a restaurant. And say you're with like a group of four people and everybody else is having chicken, so nobody's having another pasta. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can be like, oh, let me try your regular pasta. Mm-hmm. And then you go, it's all relative compared to what you're having. Mm-hmm. Like if you're having that turkey meatball and you did a good job preparing it, it's great. But once you put a good fatty beef and pork meatball against it, it kind of, you know, yeah. let's be honest here. Would you agree with me there?
1: I do, but for people who for whatever, you know, reason whether it's health reason or personal choice they choose to not have you know, beef yep. or for religious reasons maybe they don't have pork if they're just eating a turkey meatball, they're not going to compare it or against another one. So for them it's it's good. And turkey
0: is supposedly more consumed in Italy than it is in America by by a long shot. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the dishes that I do with chicken, like any type of scallopini or, or whatever, and you you know you're making chicken Sorrentino or chicken piccata, you could easily just take a turkey breast and do it, do it too. Mm-hmm. But we never do that here in America. Yeah, you, ever, you don't even see it on the menu ever.
1: No, although occasionally I will see tur like turkey for that purpose in Uncle Giuseppe's, because I, I do I've think it is. I do think it is an Italian thing. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Like I saw Jacques Pepin uh, prepare like uh, like a cutlet one time with turkey. Mm-hmm. Like he like. Pound like filleted it, then pounded it out. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's such a good idea. I'm like, I just never do that.
1: It is good. I mean, I feel like for Americans, most of the time, if you're consuming turkey, it's like as a cold cut. That's right. It's the, you know? yeah, turkey, that- deli sandwich, yeah. turkey.
0: And let me tell you, Americans consume a massive amount of turkey through cold cuts. So I worked in delis for about three years and we would always, um, All the places we worked at, we would always pre-cut. This is most delis that get crowded, they do it this way. So you do a quarter pound of meat for a sandwich and you do a third of a pound of meat for a hero. Some delis will even do 0.4. And you cut them in advance, then roll them up. And you know, based on the previous weeks, months, years, business, we do 30 hams a day, but we do 75 turkeys. We do 25 roast beefs. We do uh, four liverwurst. That's that's exaggerating. Normally it's about 0 liverwurst, you know. And then, you know, you, you got like all, all the other ones you do. And you know, you get that like one guy who comes in, they're like, "I will take I will take bologna on a heavily buttered white bread with the crust cut off." It's like, "Ooh, man, that that guy's mom really <laughs> made him a mean sandwich."
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that could tie back to our picky eater episode. I I <laughs>
0: I really digress there. (laughs) That's okay.
1: That's okay. So we talked about the blend of meat as far as cooking the meatballs. Yeah. Like when when we're talking about meatballs here, I think we're talking about the meatballs that you would have with like a Sunday sauce, right? So is there a right or wrong way or a better or worse way to prepare the meatballs before you dump them into the sauce? What are the different ways that you can prepare them?
0: This is a great question. This is I know. people. De- You're the best. You're the best. Um, people really debate this one a lot. So one of the first videos we put out, the first videos I put out, I put out a series. Maybe like after t- only ten videos or so, I did a whole Sunday sauce series. So it had make a huge pot of Sunday sauce. I think I used like fifteen cans, twenty-eight ounce cans. So I had like a like a Huge amount of sauce. And then I made five dishes with it. I did like, so the first one was obviously Sunday sauce. Second one was meatballs. Then there was like a brajol. There was like a, I, I can't even remember. There was like five of them. And they were—they're old videos. They're like audio's only coming out of one a year. Like people always let me know about that. They're, mm-hmm. like, they're like, I just want to let you know the audio's only coming out of one year. I'm like, I will go back three and a half years ago to and tell my three and a half years ago <laughs> self to change the audio. I'm like, I can't do anything about get, it. You get know? your
1: Delorean.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry that I did. I, 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 my videos weren't really good back then. And mm-hmm. like I, we were talking about it like in another another episode. I didn't really, I didn't know how to speak to the camera. One of the videos in that series was, uh, son was breaded, not breaded, it was uh, baked versus fried meatballs. So those are the two, those are the two typical ways that people, most of the way that people will argue about which is better because Mm -hmm. they're, they're usually contrast with each other. When you fry a meatball and you can shallow, you should shallow fry your meatballs, like maybe an inch of oil at the most. And it's even debatable whether people say olive oil or vegetable oil. Most Italian Americans will use vegetable oil because frying in olive oil is seen as like, you know, it's a very like uppity, wealthy thing to do. And, you know, again, times change now and some people would never fry in vegetable oil. We get all the comments, people are like, I can't believe you're using that type of oil. Like it has this, this, and this in it. And you can fry your meatballs and they'll get nice and brown, whether you use vegetable or olive oil. Or you can bake them. And baking them will have will create a different texture. You'll get a huge crust on the fried, on the baked one. You're not gonna get much color at all. Mm-hmm. A little bit moister, I believe, on the baked one. So we did that. We put them both in the sauce and then the kids, young James, you know, he's like when he's a baby, and Sammy, this is when my daughter used to actually come into my videos, um, they tried them. And they both said that the baked meatball was the better one. Yeah. Now that's, just, that's the opinion of two very young kids. I personally am still a sucker for fried. I think nothing beats those crispy parts when you do a good fried meatball. But obviously there's two other ways to do it. You can broil them. You can, well, actually five, you can bake then broil or you could straight broil, or uh, you can do, put them straight into the sauce, which is, which is a fairly common way to do it uh, with, with a lot of old school Italians. They'll just put it right into the sauce. We'll roll those meatballs up. You know, now when you do that, if you're using like a real, a lot of fat, like 80, 20 or 75, 25, mm-hmm. you are putting all that fat into your sauce. That's right. That's the thing.
1: That's right. But you'd be doing that if you were gonna just put ground beef into sauce anyway, right? But you can strain. Some you people can, are yeah. really,
0: really hell-bent on like straining all the fat. It's, it's kind of an oxymoron though, like, like if you're not an oxymoron, that's not the right word. But if you're gonna like saute or fry up a bunch of 80, 20 ground beef and then remove all the fat, Mm -hmm. what what are you doing? Just start with 90-10 then. That's right. You're not like, you know, and again, people don't question this. They're like, well, you know, yeah, That if you're going to take all the fat out of it, don't buy the meat that has the fat in it. Yeah. So people will say, oh, it retains some of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know.
1: Well, you and I can agree to disagree because I liked the baked meatball. That was what I preferred. And the reason why I preferred it was because I felt like the, when it gets fried, the flavor of it was a little too overpowering or it just, it had a different taste to it. Um, I felt like the baked tasted a little cleaner if that, I don't even know if that makes sense to anybody who's listening, but that's just the way I'm describing it. And I also preferred the texture of the baked. I've grown to like the
0: baked. Now, one of the
1: most popular
0: places in the New York area is um, in the Long Island area for meatballs, is that place that had the challenge with Bobby Flay years ago. In Northport,
1: oh, yeah, I don't actually don't. Is it think... Meninos? Is it called?
0: You know, I'm gonna let Tara look it up. She, I don't want to get this wrong. I Just think look, the gentleman
1: oh, passed away. He did pass away. Yeah,
0: this place baked their meatballs, and they beat Bobby Flay. Maroni. Maroni. I'm sorry. No, Maroni.
1: They're still there.
0: Yeah, so it's probably the kids.
1: I don't want to say that he passed away, and then I'm wrong.
0: So this place, while Tara's checking, they would uh have great meatballs. So they serve most of that like old school Italian American food. And they would give you a pot of your pasta, I believe, and like so they give it to you in a pot. And when you come back, you would bring your pot back. Like that's how that's it would right.
1: work. That's right. And and yeah, the gentleman Michael Moroni, who was known for his famous meatballs, he died at yep. the age of fifty seven. Oh wow. Um, this was back in 2019.
0: It's a Northport, Long Island institution. For all, for those of you guys uh, wondering where no, Northport is, it's basically the center of the island on the North Shore.
1: Pretty much. So
0: it's like basically it's the dividing. It's a dividing line, essentially, of Suffolk and Nassau County. Right. Tara and I live a little further out, but the island is a very long geographic, uh, you know, just piece of land. It's you got to drive very far to go from Manhattan to Montauk.
1: Even from where we are, it takes about over 2 hours. Yeah, because we're, we we have to, to go Montauk. south
0: down, south then and then we have then mm-hmm. you it gets very narrow where there is only one road to go yeah. on. That's why the, the wealthy people from the city, they take a helicopter to Montauk. Yeah,
1: or the Hamptons or whatever the going. Yeah. The Hamptons. More yeah. to
0: Hamptons than Montauk. Montauk used to be a place for people who didn't have a lot of money. I we used to be able to go to Montauk
1: when we were kids. Not no more.
0: Not anymore. Everything out there is expensive now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, a little tangent here, but the North Shore, uh, if you go out, the North Fork is definitely a nicer, more laid back place to go than, than the South Fork. Yeah.
1: The North Fork is, you know, there's wineries, there are farms, right? That's kind of what I think the North Fork is known for and the South is known. Oh, while there are beaches on the North Fork, they tend to be rocky. The South Shore is known for their, their beaches and... Um, Of course, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's home and- Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. The Hamptons and, you know, kind of more, it's more glamorous, I think, on the South Shore. The North Shore is, like you said, a little more laid back.
0: But anyway, yeah, that was just about, that place Maroney is in Northport and they still, to this day, they bake their meatballs. I know that for a fact because I watched that episode. I remember that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember watching that.
0: And it was a long time ago, the episode. It's, uh, thank God Bobby Flay got beat. (laughs) When you look at Bobby Flay, like, and you have a stereotypical cocky New Yorker image, he, he is like, he's the poster child for that. Like, he, that's like, I mean, his confidence is warranted. He's a it great, is. he's a great, he's a great yeah, chef. He's
1: talented. And, you know, he has all these restaurants and. Yeah, any restaurant of his that I've been to has been great. Yeah, I've never been to any of his restaurants. Yeah. Mesa Grill, which isn't there anymore, was one of my favorites. He had a ancho chili pork loin that was out of this world. Pork that loin.
0: I love I feel like pork loins are just so. It's something I would never order in a restaurant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like, I, was it a pork loin or pork tenderloin?
1: Actually, it was a pork tenderloin. I was just gonna say, I was probably wrong. a tender. It was very narrow. It was very delicious. It was cooked like medium, I think. And he it was,
0: was cooking at medium before medium was allowed. Exactly.
1: But it was it was so good, and you know, yeah. I mean, he certainly does have a bit of an ego, but like you said, it's warranted. Let me tell you something about
0: him, okay? His ego's more warranted than Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay won't even go on one of the competition shows. Yeah. Like Gordon Ramsay has just <laughs> built himself up to be this guy, but he's never competed against anybody. Mm-hmm. At least Bobby yeah. Flay, whether you believe those things are fake or
1: not or whatever, he went on there and he competed yeah. against
0: everybody. Yeah.
1: He like won every episode. I, I tip my hat to Bobby Flay. And if he ever wants to be a guest on our podcast, we can have yes,
0: Bobby. You should come on. Come on. We're <laughs> both from Long Island. Well, he's from Massapequa, he,
1: I believe. No, no, no. He's actually from New York City. I always oh, thought he was okay, from Long Island. Okay. The Baldwins are from Massapequa. The Baldwins. Yeah. Oh, Alec Baldwin, if you would like to come on, <laughs> you're invited too. <laughs> make, make sure you have an armorist. Yes. Yeah. Is yes. that even the right word? Yes.
0: Make sure I make sure I arm myself. Um, yeah. So no, that's um, that's another tangent with Bobby Flay.
1: Yeah back to back to meatballs. You talked about like we we obviously did the video of the baked versus fried. We never I don't think we ever tested anything where we just dropped the meatballs right into the sauce. But you told me in the past that you had did you have an uncle that yeah, used to do Yeah, so that? it wasn't
0: like he's like my great uncle. So it was you know, my on my grandmother's side, uh Uncle Tony who was my my grandmother had a bunch of sisters, so they all had they were you know, all all the whole it was like a huge family of, they were, everybody was Italian and then everybody died, you know, they're like all gone. But I remember when I was young, his meatballs would be with raisins. So, and then he would dip, he would, he would roll them and put them right in the sauce. So that was, that's mm-hmm. very familiar. And so then like, we we have a recipe on the site, just as a, a Sicilian, Sicilian meatball with yeah. the raisins. That's really common. That's why like I always, I put the raisins in the brajol too. A yeah. lot of people, like we get a lot of comments with that. They're like, they're like, I can't, like, I hate that. I don't know why you did that. They're like, yeah. that's they're horrible. They're like, that's not Italian. And I'm like, it's very, it's Sicilian very, and, and Neapolitan. I would, and, say. I would think yeah. too. And you know, I'm like, it's very much I, like I'm. I'm like, what do you mean it's not Italian? Yeah. Like it's like, like what do you think I, I invented that? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, like it's. I personally love the raisins in the brajol. I love raisins and meatballs. I think they add a really great sweetness to them and texture too.
0: I love them. Now in, in Sicily they probably use currants more than raisins. That's right. Did the same thing. You know That's right. for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. the exact same thing. You're splitting hairs if you if you worry about mm-hmm. that. You can soak your raisins a little bit. You can soak them in a little bit of warm water, which I should be doing to my throat right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just ran downstairs and got some hot water because uh I was saying how I was soaking the raisins in warm water, but I needed to soak my throat. I can't Clear my throat the way Tara can. Tara has such a beautiful voice.
1: I still find that funny. You do,
0: yeah. You do. Your your voice is great. Your voice is like you could be a voice actor. I never liked actress. my voice. Voice still actress.
1: Do, still don't. But um, no, I always thought you had a a, a good voice for for this and. People like it, and thank God your voice is easy to listen to because I have to listen to it all day long.
0: Yeah, you do have to listen to it all it's, day long. It's all day. I subject you to G- Geneva Convention crimes of mass nonstop talking. <laughs> now you're you're always been the quiet one, and I've always been uh, the more the more talking. Your
1: only crime is talking to me before I've had my coffee in the morning. You know, when I when I walk into the office in the morning before i even sit down you're right away going a mile a minute and i'm like dude let me just sit down and take a sip of my coffee before you start in you know what that's rea- that's reality you know what you're right that's a reality you're right i mean and- i'm
0: not i'm i'm not going to i'm 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 agreeing with you mm-hmm. so um what were we talking about what type of meatballs
1: <laughs> well you were talking about your uncle Tony yeah right? so he
0: would do he would do that in the sauce and again a lot of people will do it in the sauce and it's a really nice way to get a really moist meatball I will often put them in in the sauce or in not in the sauce but I'll put them in like wedding soup or any type of soup where we've done a bunch of different soups with the mini meatballs. Mm-hmm. And I'll just put them right in because what's the point? You're gonna put them in the oven for ten minutes. Some sometimes I've done it. If you if you guys have seen a lot of the videos, you'll notice that sometimes I've done it. Sometimes I do it straight. Another really easy way, you know, to do this if you want those little meatballs and you don't want to roll a hundred of them, you can form a rope. Okay, kind of like when you're making gnocchi, mm-hmm. and then use the same cutter and you can cut them. Yeah. Now you can some some places you'll go to, they'll they'll actually they won't even roll them then into balls they'll just throw them in like a pillow yeah like those I little, think mini that's a, pillows
1: I think that's a fantastic idea yeah it still has the same taste it's just so much easier speed. for the person making
0: it speed involved because yeah. if you're like you know if, if you gotta do 40 pounds of meat
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's all. you know how many mini meatballs that would yeah.
1: be speaking of mini meatballs isn't there a special lasagna that uses like super tiny meatballs Yeah so
0: a lot of the a lot of the people here in Long Island will make their lasagna they'll use big meatballs break them up into small pieces some people will will make mini meatballs but a lot of that is imitating uh lasagna carnival from I think from Naples so it's like a Neapolitan it's like a famous dish I, I looked it up Correct yeah please tell me if I'm right or wrong here but yeah that's how my grandmother would she would always put meatballs, she would make meatballs, then she would break them up with her fork to do the layers in the lasagna. That's that's always how she would do it. I've done faster versions where I just make a meat sauce now and then and then do it.
1: Well, according to this website, it does hail from Naples.
0: See guys, sometimes I know what I'm talking and about. And
1: it is a festive version that's eating during Carnavale,
0: right? There you go. So a lot of places will do that here. And basically everything that people make here is just what was taken with them from 100 years that's right. ago. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Anything that's modern in Italy in the last 30 or 40 years is not made here because there's been no immigration. It all just happens. true. And then it stopped. Mm-hmm. That's when the country was letting, had the doors open, and then they shut the country down.
1: Although my stepmother, Angie, did immigrate here from yes. Italy in I don't know when that would have been. She was nine,
0: so it was probably around 1955, yeah. ni- around around there. Yeah,
1: and she came over on a boat.
0: Yeah, and actually, it's funny. She came over at that point. I actually probably think the guy, the neighbor we had in Farmingdale, probably came over around yeah. that point too.
1: Yeah,
0: in an old house we had, we had a guy next door who didn't really speak too much English. Angelo, his Angelo. His I forget his last name. He was very old when we were there and we were in our 20s. It was like our second house we we owned, our late 20s. And that was he had this garden that took up almost the whole entire yard and yeah. when I mean every vegetable, you know, for you long islanders, I'm really giving you I'm pinpointing the geography for you, but it was Right near where the PC Richards warehouse was yeah, in Long was, Island,
1: that was the that was our backyard. basically. He, it was our
0: backyard, and he had he cut a hole through the fence, yeah. and it, the PC Richards warehouse was like sixty feet down, so it was like dug out. You know, yeah. like how they dig out a school. Like every time a right, every time a school's built, they always yeah. dig at they dig them out. I
1: don't know why. Yeah,
0: yeah, and so there's always a nice hill, so kids yeah. can go sleigh riding. I digress, but um, you actually you could have. <laughs> People get mad when I say that. But you could have went sleigh riding down this hill into mm-hmm. P.C. Richards. But he, Angelo, didn't go sleigh riding. He grew- He had a corn field. He grew corn and everything else back there on their yeah. property. So he had it all on the hill and then his own yard. But I would always go over there and he would like always have like arugula for me or yeah. whatever greens and he would pick them and then he'd put a, run them through the salad spinner and then I would take them home. Yeah,
1: I remember him climb like half climbing over the fence and he had like a handful of some type of bean. It was like a long bean or something like that. The broad beans, yeah. Yeah, he was like waving them over to me and I went over and I I grabbed them. I think I just ate them, like raw. Yeah,
0: he had, I think he grew everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was so, again, this is like very typical to a lot of of you people who are here and it might be very odd, like the story I'm telling you, but there are so many guys like this in every neighborhood. Like they all have a fig tree and a lemon tree. So of course he had his fig trees and Mm -hmm. he would always protect them when, you do that, you put the burlap over them before it gets cold yeah. out. Very, very common. And I, maybe one at one point we'll get a fig tree. It's great, but the thing about a fig tree is you gotta eat figs. So You gotta eat so many figs in a short period of time. It's not like you get like 90 days worth of figs. Mm-hmm. You just get your harvest. Is that how it works? Well, I mean, it's kinda like apples, same thing, like any yeah. type of fruit tree. Like yeah. you're not-
1: So you give them, you give yeah. them away. Give them away to your neighbors and your jelly. friends.
0: Jelly, right? Yeah, but not everybody likes figs. It's always like the Italian guy or or girl will be like, "Hey, Tony has all these figs." Some other person will be like, "Yeah," and it's like the most important thing to them ever. And then they tell to somebody else, and they're like, "Like, I don't know, I'm not really into figs." Yeah, I like, love figs. Like, they're like, is there anything else to this story here? No, that's just the whole story. I but- love them.
1: They're so go- they're good in salads. I, that's how I like them, like to roast them with like honey and gorgonzola. Yeah, we had a great recipe on the site that that's Tara right. is describing. That's, that's right. That's what she's describing. Yep. It's, they're, they're great. Um, so anyway, how did we get here? We were talking about meatballs.
0: We were talking about meatballs. Somehow we got into this. I don't even know how. Well. Bring me back.
1: Okay. So I know earlier we talked about the polpette di pane, which are the meatless meatballs made from Bread, yes. right? Pane is bread That's in Italian. Right. But there are other types of meatless meatballs, like polpette di melanzana, yes. right? Which is eggplant.
0: So we do a very basic version of that, uh, which is a very popular one with, you know, a lot of vegetarian and vegan people like to still like to try our recipes. And that one, I mash up the eggplant. I peel it, remove the skin, mash it, just soften it with some garlic, some oil, a little salt and pepper, and then... You take that mash, your basically your eggplant mash, and then you mix it with a bunch of Pecorino Romano, your herbs, some other stuff, some breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. you form a meatball. Now, this is a really basic way to do it. You can get much more complicated, and I just roll them like that, and then I just, you could put them straight in the sauce, or I bake them for like 10 minutes, and then mm-hmm. put them in the sauce, and then they're ready to go. You get much more complicated. You can roast that eggplant over an open fire, kind of like baba ganoush, the Greek dish, mm-hmm. and then you take that puree, and then you make your eggplant meatballs and then they'll be even better. You can also take your uh polpette de melanzana and then you could bread them and then deep fry them, which would be great too.
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: these are all very ways to make more work for yourself
1: or you can go with the simple one that I that uh, that that we have. Yeah. I really I remember when you made that the, those were really good. They they were like very healthy tasting.
0: <laughs> yeah, really the only Bad part in there is the breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm.
1: Eggs are a common ingredient, right? For, yep. for meatballs. Is it possible to make a good meatball without an egg?
0: I'm sure there is. And I know people who, what, they have an egg allergy. That's probably the main reason. Yeah. Or if they're vegan, yeah. I guess. Well, if they're vegan, they're not going to really be eating meatballs. I'm so ignorant when it comes to like the vegan culture of like substitutions. Yeah. So I, I just am. But an egg is typically used in, for meatballs. It's not, I mean, it's always used for one reason. It's the, it's the binding agent. It, so yeah. it basically glues the meatball together. It prevents it from collapse, like from falling apart.
1: Mm-hmm. Similar to meatloaf too. Right? That's right.
0: You have to have eggs in that as well.
1: Yeah. Now and I,
0: you should never have eggs in a burger, though some people like Gordon Ramsay, puts an egg in his burger. Does he? I, I'm not kidding. People are gonna mm-hmm. think that like I've like have it out for Gordon Ramsay tonight, but I saw him make like this. It was like a meatloaf, and it was mm-hmm. but he put it on a bun. It was mm-hmm. like some video I watched. This is years ago, guys. I, it might not even be him. It might be somebody, some <laughs> other British guy. Don't quote me on this. He yeah, he put breadcrumbs, salt, pepper, onions, and eggs in his burger, and made it about 2 inches thick. Oh. And like it was like he was having like a burger that off. Sounds, a burger. That sounds
1: like a mouthful.
0: My favorite way to do a burger is chuck mm-hmm. ground chuck flattening it out really on the grill so mm. you have a lot of crust yeah. to burger. So you basically you're you're mostly crust and then when you flatten it out you just put your salt on. Kind of like how they do it at uh Shake Shack or um it's that other place smash burger there's no smash burgers burger. in long island right i think
1: there's one i think it's in wontaw
0: we had smash burger when we were lived in minnesota
1: i've noticed that different like different places restaurants or food establishments they like to turn different things into meatballs what do you what do you think of that
0: yeah i think that's a great idea i mean like i i always i always wanted to i, I always struggle with should we do so if, if you're an outsider looking at our recipes and looking at the food we make, if you know the food, you're like, oh, he just makes the food that Italian restaurants in New York makes. That's all he does. And you'd be right if you said that. I always want to like venture a little bit further off, but I always, I guess i concerned about the criticism. So like one thing that I wanted to try was to do chicken piccata meatballs and then like with pasta. So mm-hmm. like what I did was I just made the little pieces of chicken and then tossed it yeah. with pasta. But I think if you made like a really tender chicken meatball mm-hmm. with the capers and everything inside of it, Ooh. and then really, you can do this that without pastas good. for somebody who can't have the gluten, you mm-hmm. know, who, wa- who who wants to be a little healthier. Yeah, That idea I said can be done with anything. It could be done with chicken Marsala, mm-hmm. or chicken franchise, like whatever you want, chicken pizzaiola, like you do them all and you basically could turn anything into a meatball. I mean, there's a guy who has a whole YouTube channel that he just turns everything into sausage. Mm-hmm. Do you know? You know what I'm talking about? What's the name of that? Will it's I'm, Will it sausage? I'm, I'm making or sausage like that? or something like. Yeah, you know, I'm making the sausage. It's like all just all he does is make sausage. Like he put like shepherd's pie in sausage.
1: Shepherd's pie meatballs. That that sounds really good. Yeah, I mean, and it would, it, would, like it a, would work in like a brown Guinness gravy.
0: I know. Oh I'm, wow! I'm probably giving some uh, somebody else really good ideas now that you're gonna steal from me. I don't care if anybody it's steals. Okay. I don't care if anybody takes any idea I have. What I do care about is when people come into comments and say, Jim, you stole uh, Assassin's Pasta from Chef John. I'm like, First of all, Chef John didn't make that up. That was made in Calabria. You don't even Everybody, Chef made, John, really. Everybody has made Assassin's Pasta. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, you know, at least be creative here. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're gonna tell me I stole something from somebody, I would never steal one of the most common recipes. What are you gonna come out when I, like, you stole spaghetti and meatballs from, uh, from Chef Bill? Like, it's yeah. like, no, I'm just making what everybody else makes. Yeah.
1: You're just, you're providing instruction in a different way to make
0: a well-known recipe assassin's pasta is well known it's been well known for about 10 years now in america probably mm-hmm. longer it's not like it's some secret i i think people who aren't that well versed in it when they see something new they think then that, that person created mm-hmm. it but they don't realize that there is no new ideas mm-hmm. there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to food everything has been done before
1: that, that is true did you talk about fresh breadcrumbs versus store-bought? Yeah.
0: So we'll do a little bit. So, you know, Tara's asking about fresh bread crumbs store-bought. Yeah. I mean, do your fresh if you want. If you want to make fresh breadcrumbs, there's no, nothing hard about this. Just take bread. It could be stale bread. You can make it stale by just putting it in the oven, mm-hmm. drying it out. All you're doing is taking moisture out of your bread to turn it stale. Then you can run it in a food processor. If you don't have that, you can chop it. Uh, you could put some plastic over it and take a meat mallet, And then you can season those breadcrumbs with whatever you want, or you can just buy a big container of Progresso or 4C breadcrumbs.
1: What do you think makes for a better meatball, dried or or like homemade? Like when I say dried, I mean store-bought.
0: I think what, what people would say would make a better meatball would be forget about the breadcrumbs, just take bread. So just take bread squeeze it, you know, run it through water or Mm -hmm. put some milk in it, squeeze it out. Mm -hmm. Then you're getting like a, then you mash that with the meat and you're like basically making like a panade almost, you know, normally you wouldn't even put it with the meat straight away. You would make your, I think panade is the word, Um, it's a French, you would mash the bread along with all your other ingredients, your cheese, your herbs, your garlic. And then once you're happy with that, the consistency of it, then you would take, mix that into the meat. That's how you would do it.
1: I feel like meatballs are a really good way to engage, you know, if you have kids or or youngsters in your life, not your own children necessarily, but because it it's something that's easy for them to do. You it's know. It's easy. And it's fun. And they'll get and they'll get, get pretty good
0: results, you yeah. know. Yeah. Like you can say, like, we're gonna make fifty meatballs today, mm-hmm. do it with your like ten year old
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then you can have them all week. So like one night you'll have like it with pasta. Another night you'll do meatball heroes. Mm-hmm. Another night, maybe you can just chop them up, turn it into a baked pasta, lasagna. There's a lot of things you could put them in pizza dough, which is one of the best things to do. I know. Pizza dough? So you do a roll, so what's in, in New York, what is called like a chicken roll or a sausage roll. Oh, okay. So what you do is you take slices of those meatballs. Mm-hmm. So you take the, This is what normally what pizzerias do. They'll make their meatballs a little larger and then they'll let them get cold. And when they're cold, that's when you can slice them. Yes. So they get about, you make a slice about a half an inch to, to an inch thick. Mm-hmm. And then you do your your pizza roll, which we've done, a, we've done a few of them on the site, but there's no video yet. Now, this is something I would be mad if somebody steals from me, which I'm saying it now, I'm giving it away. Yeah. So they call them rolls, or I guess like you could say like a stromboli kind of. Yeah.
1: You actually just made me think of, because when you started talking about pizza, I thought you meant as a topping on pizza. And I just, meatballs are one of my favorite toppings for pizza. I'm normally not in, I'm not into like the pepperoni or the sausage on pizza, but give me slices of meatballs on a pizza pizza. Any day. That sounds delicious, but I like
0: pepperoni too. And what do we have coming up?
1: We already filmed the pepperoni p, frozen pepperoni pizza taste test.
0: So the other pizza taste test was very popular. So a lot of people were saying, you didn't do this brand. You didn't do that brand. Mm -hmm. You should have done that brand. So the brands that are going to be in the pepperoni pizza taste test are most of those brands you guys mentioned.
1: Yeah. And actually, you know, one of the brands that was mentioned, can I say it? Um, yeah. Motor City? Yeah. So that was one of the ones that we got the most comments on. So I had to get that one. The only Motor City pizza I could find was a pepperoni pizza. So that actually drove the whole rest of the video because I had to compare apples to apples because I know... uh, That was another big criticism. That was another criticism of the previous one, which, you know... Um, Again, nothing scientific here that we're doing with the taste tests. But I wanted to make sure that we were, in fact, comparing apples to apples this time around. So getting the Motor City pepperoni pizza was what drove me getting all of the other frozen pepperoni pizzas.
0: Go watch the video, guys. But but I will tell you, the pepperoni pizza taste test was a lot better. I felt like the quality of them of the pizzas was better than in the first taste test. Or I could have just, I could have, my mouth could have been like, I lost my ability to tell the
1: difference after a while with all that pepperoni. Yeah. But there were a lot of pepperoni like flavor that was different from the other. Like one was like kind of gamey. Another one was kind of artificial. Another one. I had a taco last night that was
0: so gamey from Chipotle, James couldn't eat. He had two tacos left, which is which is amazing in itself that he couldn't finish his dinner. He gets two meals now. oh well, he,
1: yeah, he finished
0: the first. Meal. Yeah, but like I was like, all right, I'm taking a bite of this taco. I took it. I it was like the most barnyard thing I've ever it eaten was a in little, my life. Yeah, I, I was like, I, I what's going on here? I
1: thought it was good, but it it was a little barnyardy. Yeah. That's why he didn't want to finish mm-hmm. it. So you know, yeah. I
0: mean, whatever. I You're
1: right. Before we move into. Our listeners submitted questions. Do you have any final thoughts on meatballs? Speak now or forever hold your meatball.
0: So <laughs> I didn't mention my brother worked at a place called Meatball, and he made they made like the dozens of different of meatballs. Say yeah. not Patchogue, Long Island. He no longer works here anymore. Um so you can make a lot of different types of meatballs. I would say just experiment and do whatever feels right to you. I would definitely not get help, held up on. And you'll know there's a common, commonality of everything we say. There's no 100% right way to do it. Nobody has the ultimate meatball recipe that they're hoarding and everything else is good. There is so many ways to make a good meatball. But yeah, if you, you if you use like a high fat beef, if you don't really over mix it, if you put some, a little bit of moisture in there, a lot of flavor, use the Pecorino Romano, use that cheese to your advantage. And uh Put it in a good sauce, and then you'll be fine.
1: Yeah. that's It really is that simple. Yeah. And have fun when you're doing it.
0: Yeah, have fun. Right? It can be a little stiff, guys. Your meatballs don't have to be ultra tender. Everybody's like, oh, these are the most tender meatballs ever. Sometimes you don't want a tender meatball. Mm-hmm. I, I I, used to, when I went to high school, or not like middle school or high school, because we always had the Sunday sauce with... My mother's and my grandmother's meatballs were very tender, but the the sauce they would serve in the cafeteria, which again, I was never allowed to have jarred sauce in my life and never had like a fake meatball. So when I went there and I had my first fake meatball and jarred sauce, I'm telling you, these meatballs, they were a completely they were like a paradigm shift to me. They were like they were like, um, like a handball. like like they would you could bounce these things, you could throw them at somebody, they wouldn't come apart. So yeah, they were they were overmixed too, and I and I enjoyed them too because it was so different.
1: Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's move into some of the questions that we have, and the first question is actually for me.
0: I feel like I should be reading this,
1: so I don't know if you can. Let me see it. Well, it's just I'll 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 read it. I mean, these are my notes, so I don't know if you're going to be able to decipher, (laughs) you know, my shorthand, but the. The question is if is tara italian (laughs) so people want to know if i have um italian blood or whatnot so the answer is a little bit um i like so many long islanders or or people in new york or people in the united states in general um am a mix of europe (laughs) so where I get my Italian blood from is my dad's side. My dad's grandma—I'm uh, sorry, my dad's mom. My grandma, she was 100% Italian, Sicilian specifically. Her family was from Caltabalota in Sicily, and she. What was the name? What was her name? Yeah, her name was Jane, but it was she shortened it because it was Jacanina.
0: What was the, what was the maiden uh, the Gallo Gallo yeah. Gallo Yeah yeah
1: so she sadly passed away when I was in second grade so I must have been seven years old at the time but you know my memories of her really center around food yeah which is which is interesting um, one of the authors I really like his name is Mike Viking or Viking depending on I guess how he pronounces it. Um, He has a book called The Art of Making Memories and he talks a lot about the importance of food and smell in shaping memories. In fact, if you are having a moment that you want to remember forever, you should take a whiff of of something like he talks about being on the beach with his dad and he wanted to remember it. So he picked up a pile of seaweed and he brought it to his nose and just took a big whiff because he wanted to remember that moment. And he knows that in the future, if he smells seaweed, he's gonna be brought right back to that moment. The memories I have of my grandma really are about food and specifically, which I think ties in really perfectly with this episode is I remember her meatballs and they were just, they were like nothing I've ever had. They were so good. Um, I was still able to eat meat at the time because like I said uh, in the previous episode, my mom um, switched us to vegetarianism when I was eight. But that was, you know, this was before that. Um, and her meatballs were outstanding. She also made a salad that I loved. I, I don't even know what – her salad dressing was probably so basic. It was, I think it was like red wine vinegar, like Regina red wine vinegar and probably not even extra virgin olive oil. It was probably just olive oil or maybe even – some other type of oil. It might have been
0: vegetable oil. I know, a it, lot, it could a have A lot been. of people would do that. It could have been, yeah. yeah.
1: But I remember that. Um, and yeah, I mean, she actually was the one who taught my mom, who my mom doesn't have a drop of Italian blood in her. Um, my grandma taught my mom how to cook, how to make sauce. Um, so whenever my mom would make sauce, when I was a kid, it was basically like my grandma's, recipe and in fact um jim the rolling pin that you use in so many of our recipes and that we have pictured is is my grandma's i love that rolling pin i know i'm sure she used to like give my dad and his brothers a bunch of wax with the rolling pin that's (laughs) that's that's an awesome rolling yeah there were four boys um, if you haven't
0: seen it take a look at it because it's like it doesn't look like your it typical rolling yeah. pin.
1: Yeah, it's like tapered on the ends. Yeah. But yeah, she um she and my grandpa who was Oh, I'm sure
0: she gave the whack. Oh, to them. she definitely did. My grandmother used to chase I me mean, and my brother was, around with the wooden spoon. She used to was, hit us hard with
1: it. Yeah. yeah. There were four boys. Uh, my dad was the youngest. And um yeah. She just like hit me right in the hand. Yeah. A like, well, different time back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But my grandpa who was not Italian, he was you know, Irish and, uh, Dutch, I believe that's it. So, well,
0: that's, that's good. I'm glad you answered that question.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And thank you to people who were interested to hear a little bit about my background. Another question that came in was have our kids expressed interest in learning to cook? Or are they just happy to enjoy the fruits of our labor, so it's a or good your co- labor,
0: I should say? It's a good question. And you cook. Tara does cook a lot. Um, as far my stomach, my stomach's growling. <laughs> just the honest truth is, James is not interested in cooking at all. So we get a lot of like comments especially in the video saying like you you should do a video with james he he's not interested guys and so which is fairly typical of, of of a kid his age
1: he he's shown more interest as of late i don't mean to cut you off but he one day he said he wanted to cook something with me and we made broccoli rob, and sausage and orchietti. that was good i actually and remember he, when you guys made and it and he wanted to do the chopping so i taught him how to you know Remove the skin from the garlic. He cut the garlic. He sautéed it. He sauteed, did all of the stuff with the broccoli rabe. Um So he did have interest in that, but I think that was the last time he was... I think
0: he had interest because the payoff was going to be one of his favorite pasta dishes. That's right.
1: That's right. But yeah, I mean, he's less interested in... Cooking than he is in eating. He's very interested in eating.
0: He is so interested in eating. So that's James. Sammy, our daughter, who was in the older videos, she's the cutest. Now she she's cuts. now she's a really tall.
1: She's strong, almost taller than you.
0: Strong teen right now, and she uh, she used to cook more when she was younger. Probably when she was towards that 10, 11 year age, and she stopped. Uh, she doesn't do it as much now. So we mm-hmm. hope. Uh, honestly, my my hope would be that she would come in the videos because she's actually a pretty good cook already. She is. She could. She could do a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, she's she, a great baker.
0: She does a lot of I baking. Mean,
1: she was in the episode two where we talked about the picky eaters, and I think we talked about briefly about her interest in baking. You know, she used to when she was a little bit younger. Everything was Rosanna Pansino or Zumbo or you know she was like very into. All the different desserts. She's made quite a few, like really impressive desserts. Remember, she made that Zelda, Legend of Zelda cake for James's birthday one year. That
0: was awesome, and she also did that unicorn, the unicorn cake. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, she'll hopefully she'll get involved. I think. Um, I mean, God, we are the perfect family f- for our kids to uh, follow in our footsteps. We got a podcast studio up here. We got a kitchen <laughs> studio downstairs. I mean, God, you could. You could set up your YouTube channel and your whole business really easily. Yeah, turnkey. We should rent space here. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: But listen, guys, we really appreciate you li- tuning in to this latest episode. And please send more questions yes. to podcastatsipandfeast.com. We'll see you next time.